The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive is up next, but first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. This week on Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview, we talk with Bob Romanis. He played Mike Damone in the classic Fast Times at Ridgemont High. What is the strangest place that you have ever been recognized? I was floating down the Kern River up here in uh, Southern California, and uh, I had like a week's growth of beard, a baseball cap pulled over my eyes. I'm floating in the middle of the river. Somebody yells out, hey, Damone! (laughs) (laughs) Minutia Men. Celebrity Interview, an OPI show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great Talk Radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Thanks so much for taking us along for the ride. Certainly glad to have you along. I'm Mark Vernon, along with Luke Hostable and Roger Rexroad. Our man in the field is joining us in the Car Guys Report studio today. This is part two of our very special Corvette C8 episode. We spent... uh, Part one of this uh, special C8 episode talking uh, just about, uh, in general, Corvettes, uh, owners, uh, why the Corvette is a special car for so many years, and a lot about the uh, design, the mid-engine uh, layout, and the exterior styling of the uh, new Corvette C8. And we did touch uh, briefly on pricing. Um, Roger thinks that uh, even though Corvette Chevrolet claims that they're targeting a younger audience with a a mid-engine design, um, how many are going to be able to shell out the $59,995 base price, which GM claims they're going to lose something like $20,000 on each base model they sell? And I always take the... uh, the the uh, stance that can you really get one for fifty nine nine ninety five? Whether uh, I had remember reading earlier, shortly after the car was introduced, that um, some of the forums online were were developing lists, and I don't know how they would confirm this, but lists of dealers that were claiming they were not going to sell. Uh, you know, not mark up the car and sell it truly at a base price so those people would get the business. Um, but, you know, are you really going to be able to order one for fifty nine nine ninety five? Because everyone that I've seen that has been road tested so far in the magazines has stickered at something like 88000 which is a pretty big leap. And the Z51. Yeah. That's the package. That yeah, that's the package that everyone's basically getting. And... Do you know what that adds to what the Z fifty one package adds to the base or I don't know about price wise, but it adds five horsepower and it does add a shorter uh final drive okay. ratio which gets that uh zero to sixty under three seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, you know, and it, it it's it's hard to say. I mean, um Roger claims that he's got friends in uh Detroit that um have seen uh, a couple of C8s on the road already. You know, you know the, the GM strike that happened in 2019 uh, set back uh, production uh, timetables somewhat. And I think that they're going to be uh, starting to get delivered, I don't want to say in mass, because I don't know how big the pent-up demand or the order uh, book is, but we'll probably start seeing them in uh, 
on the roads, I would think, in the first quarter uh, of 2020, if not the beginning of the second quarter, uh, we'll start seeing them appear on the roads. But the uh, the specs are pretty good. Uh, this is the uh, a spec sheet that I printed out uh, online, and it should still be accurate. This is the 3LT Z51 spec sheet. Um, 376 uh, cubic inch, which uh, comes out to about 6.1, 6.2 liters, however you want to round it off. Still a push rod, two valve per cylinder, overhead valve engine, compression ratio 11.5 to 1, which is a pretty good uh, compression ratio. 495 horsepower at 6,450 RPMs, 470 pound-feet of torque at 5,150 RPMs, redlining only 6,400, which is typical for an overhead valve uh, two-cylinder engine. Uh, Power-to-weight ratio, let's talk about that a little bit. 7.3 pounds per horsepower because the curb weight on this car is about 3,622 pounds. Do you think that's a competitive uh, power-to-weight ratio and curb weight? Sure. What is your Viper weigh, Lou? Do you know? I think it's like 3,400. Okay. And how much horsepower is that kicking out? Uh, this is a 2006, so about 500 horse. 500. Okay, so 500 pretty horse, much the same. Yeah. Torque. Yeah, so this is pretty much the same. Um, final axle drive ratio, you were saying with the Z51 is lower. So this has the axles at 355 uh, to 1, and the final drive is 1.7 uh, to 1. And uh, one thing that kind of surprised me here is they're listing the front discs as being smaller than the rear discs, which is interesting because usually it's the other way around on a perform on any car these days, especially a performance car. 13.1-inch vented front discs, 13.8 uh, rear discs. I-, I don't know why they would do that, but it's interesting. Uh, wheels are uh, standard uh, 8.5 by 19s up front, 11 by 20s in back, so those are nice and beefy 245 35 19s up front 305 30r 20s in the back uh, michelin pilot sport 4s's which is a fantastic uh tire um and there was oh the weight distribution that's what i want to talk about we had touched on that um in part one of this episode uh that being a mid-engine design, you would think that it's like a 50-50, but it really isn't. It's 39-61, so it's got obviously a little bit more weight in the back, but again, that weight is in front of the rear axle, so that helps keep it more neutral as far as um, being tail-happy and things like that. Um, Do you think, uh, either of you guys, do you think that these specs are competitive for the price? I mean, they're saying that right now, um, you know, this car is, you know, a bargain given the actual performance, which we'll touch on in a minute. the other thing, too, that I want to touch on is it's got an eight-speed twin-clutch automatic that was uh, co-developed, I believe, with Tremec, and it's the first uh, time that uh, they've done a, a twin-clutch auto. Obviously, you can't get a manual transmission in the C8, and that, that's kind of irked a few people, too, but it's like when Porsche introduced the PDK, and that turned a lot of people off, but then they're saying, wait a minute, the PDK is faster than a manual, and it still is, and this is probably the same, the same case. So thoughts... Uh, on, on either the, the twin clutch or just the perform um, the, the specs in general, then we'll lead into the performance well, actual well, numbers. Well, let's slow down just a second. What do you think of the price? I think the price is great for fifty nine nine ninety five. I think it's a it's a great deal. But what again, you, I mean, you once think? you spec one out to the way you want it, are you going to be paying eighty grand or eighty eight grand? Then it's not, you know, it's getting up there. So let's say it's let's just for grin say it's ninety grand. Okay. Right? All right. So now it's ninety grand. Roger, what's your thoughts? Uh, I wouldn't buy one anyway. Yeah. I just, I'm just not <laughs> wow. a big fan of the car. I just you know I, I just to be fair I, I I eat sleep drink cars and every time people talk about Corvettes it the word value comes up and 
yes, it's a value, but I think it kind of cheapens the car when that's one of the your big selling points. Oh, it's 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 got this going for it, and it it only costs this. When you go and watch videos of like track days, you do not see a lot of C4s like Mark's car out on the track, but you sure as hell see a lot of old 911s out there. So I. I so what what is the, what is your point with that? I. I don't know. I just it, it 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 the car is it's it's a value, but if it's such a value, why don't you see those cars out on the track? Because everything depreciates, and a Porsche, you know, like a new 911 is like 150 thousand, and the Corvette is 90. So why don't you, even though it's such a value, why don't you see those cars out on as track cars, like like your car or a, or a, or a C5? I don't know. I mean, I don't go. I haven't been to a track in years, as far as uh, like what? autocrossing or anything like that. But I mean, to touch on you said, I, I think a base nine eleven right now for twenty twenty, I think it starts at either a hundred or a hundred and ten, and that's a hell of a car for the price. But again, with Porsche, everything is extra. So even to put on just a very modest amount of, of optional equipment, you can be up to one hundred and twenty, one hundred thirty thousand in a heartbeat. Here we're talking about a, a Corvette, a C eight, maybe moderately well loaded with some options for 90,000. Well, let me let me answer Roger's question. So first of all, why do you see the Porsche? Why do you not see the Corvette? The Corvette still is looked at as an American car that, you know, is attainable. When you're at a track day, usually generally this is someone who has done relatively well or uh, you know, has some ex, um, disposable income is the word I'm trying to think of, and they can afford to buy something that's at a whole nother level, which is why they're probably a track member. Now, when you're talking about the average guy who looks at this car, the Corvette is still, quote unquote, somewhat attainable. So they put that value discussion in there because, number one, they're going to build a lot of them compared to a Porsche generally. Um, and when I say a lot, maybe they might make 35,000 of them this year or something like that. I don't know what the production figures are slated know. You know, to be. I, I, you know, but, I mean, generally, they make a lot more of them. So when you're going to make a car that you can produce more of, then you can get the economy of scale, which means that you're going to get more parts at a better discounted value. And that's where the quote-unquote real value comes in in the manufacturing of the car. So, um Value is, in this situation, more based on supply versus demand. So there's going to be more supply out there, more Corvettes, and more people will have them, and more people will get the chance to own them. So I do want to say that the reason why you talk about Corvette is because the level of horsepower versus the cost. For example, if you look at 495 horsepower in a European car, you might be looking at a 458 Italia, uh, a, a Ferrari, or something like that. And uh, a four five eight Ferrari, and now you're talking two hundred fifty, yeah. two hundred fifty, you know, a quarter million dollars. So, so that's where the the value always sticks in people's mind. I mean, it's uh, if I could turn it around, and you, and you think about a, a Ferrari, you think about a car that's just going to have beautiful curves. Well, you Absolutely. can't help but say it's going to have beautiful curves because when you look at it, you go, it has beautiful curves. So, the Ferrari or the Corvette is always going to have that. Plus, Americans want a value. We want to feel we're getting something well, more. Well, cars are so expensive to begin with right. now. I mean, the average uh, new car price now is, I think, something like thirty-seven, thirty-eight thousand dollars right. And you're talking Camry stuff, you know, right. average right. cost. So right. you're adding maybe, you know, even if you double that, 
uh, that's not out of the realm of of, uh, of of affordability necessarily, and you could get yourself into a Corvette at that point. Yeah. So it, it, there is a certain amount. I, I know what you're saying as far as the value yeah. equation. Yeah. Um, I just think that when you get up to a $90,000 price, there's a lot of cars that not are not necessarily considered sports cars like a Corvette, but you're you're in touching distance there with a uh, Mercedes C63 AMG, which is a hell of a car, um, performance equal to this car probably or very close to it. Of course, it's not a two seater, it's not a Corvette, but it's a, a great car. Um, there's BMWs that are within kissing distance of this price that are very high performance. So there's a lot. I think there's a lot out there. In yeah. that $90,000 range, when you go down to the 60000 base price for this performance, there's not a lot. But here, here's the word. $90,000 Corvette. People go, hmm, pretty cool. $90,000 Mercedes. Eh, they, they don't have that excitement. When you say the well, word do you Cor- say 90000 AMG? I mean, AMG's got right, pretty but, good but cachet. Just, just the word Corvette stirs a certain if you closed your eyes you could visualize what you'd see as a Corvette. And there's probably some people that would look back on a C four and go, that piece of fiberglass <laughs> crap for ninety thousand dollars. But but right. Well <laughs> and, and you can even look at if you've noticed what's happening to the C sevens, because of the C eight coming out, the C sevens have completely gone down. They in said value. they're bargains right now, yeah. I, I, I mean, mean new br- ones are brand supposedly, new, yeah. Brand new ones they're giving, you know, sixteen thousand dollar <laughs> discounts yeah. mm-hmm. and things like this. They they basically are saying, uh oh, now what are we gonna do with this old So I think it's a hell of a time to buy a C seven. Right, right. So there's uh, thousands on those on the I heard there uh, there was an article, uh, there was like seven to eight thousand C sevens over uh, the yeah, country. sitting on the lots. That's so, amazing. That's Unbelievable. true. Right. So they're going to be stuck with that. But uh, well, uh, if you know where some C sevens are for sale, make sure you tell your friends about it, and make sure you tell them about what we're doing right here. The Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. It's available online at radiomisfits.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Car Guys Podcast. Of course, you can email us too if you agree or disagree, or just have some thoughts in general about uh, Corvette C eights or anything else that we talk about on this podcast. It's Car Guys Report at hotmail.com. That is our email address open 24 7 of course mark vernon along with uh luke hostable and roger Rexroad today we're on part two of our special corvette c8 episode talking about the value proposition lou is defending his ninety thousand dollar um price tag on a uh, a fairly well-loaded uh, c8 saying that it does represent value and uh, i can see his point to a point but i think there's other cars out there that are similar in performance and they could cost the same too so if you've got 90 grand burning a hole in your pocket i think you've got a pretty legitimate choice but if you're looking at strictly mid-engine cars at that price you're not going to find a lot really the only one you're going to be compatible with which would be the Porsche Cayman, and those are can be a hundred thousand dollar car. A easy. GT4, Cayman, a GT4 yeah, is absolutely. a great car. That's an absolutely. awesome, awesome car. But uh, again, it's 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 similar, but then it's a different animal too versus the C8. It's a track tool. It is. And, and here's the thing with the Corvette: you don't hear people talking about Corvettes being a track tool like a GT4. I just want to. I just want that car to get. So you're saying that people that are buying, even though they're they're targeting a younger audience, you think they're going to be the, the still the the older generation that just wants to have a Sunday driver or a car, something to bring to a cruise night or something like that. Absolutely. Really. I'm sorry. That's what I see. You go to a lot of shows, Lou, and you see Corvette guy. 
He's got the color matching <laughs> a director chair behind the car. He's got half of the Greenwood catalog thrown at the car. The hood's up. You got an American Eagle airbrush, and and you just that's what you see. That's Corvette guy. Let let's break that that's mold. That's American right Corvette there. Corvette guy. Let's break that mold. That's what I'm trying that to say. That could be a new Netflix series. You, Corvette guy. You brought up the Cayman GT4. That is a scalpel as at a track. I don't know. Oh, that I like first. that term. I like that that analogy. I, a scalpel at the race track and the corvette does Lou's not, rubbing his head like oh, the corvette God. does not have it with my c8 <laughs> the corvette does not have that reputation your viper does though your viper is more of a a track car that's, than any corvette is and i just wish they would that's what i brought up about the 911 compared to a corvette is you see more 911s can we get the corvette out there more often that's what I'm. That's what I'm. That's why well, I brought that. Well, up. maybe you'll see more out there well, now that that's a mid-engine design. You're, you're, you're hitting it on the head now. The mid-engine design Corvette will be will be out there more. The performance specifications, uh, actual road testing that uh, Motor Trend and other magazines have done. I mean, right now, again, value for the money: zero to sixty, two point eight seconds, which is fantastic. Zero to one hundred and seven point one. A quarter mile in 11.1 seconds at 123. I mean, those are fantastic figures. Breaking 60 to 0 in 97 feet. That's crazy. Yeah, just incredible stuff. Um, you can't argue with uh, statistics like that. Um, and obviously, you're getting a uh, you know basic warranty is three years, 36,000 miles. I think they should up that. The powertrain warranty is five years, 60. For a car like this, they should give you a five-year standard warranty, and they should give you a, a 10-year, 100,000. I think they should. I mean, if you're paying that much for a Halo car, they should. I think they should juice the warranty and give, give you more warranty on it. Uh, let's talk about the 8-speed dual-clutch automatic right now. Um, do you have any reservations of not being able to get a manual in this car? Do you think that that's going to help or hurt their, their, uh, their take rate or whatever you want to call it as far as people buying this car? I used to be all about manual transmission. My current, you know, current car is a dual clutch. It's yeah. the first dual clutch. There, it's great. And it after, is cool. Yeah. After driving one, now I know what all the hype is about. Yeah. But a sports car, you should always be able to have the option, option to have manual uh, or to have a you know three pedals yeah. because yes, it's slower. But sometimes you don't care about the speed. You want you to just want the interaction. It. It, and, it's yeah. the interaction. You yeah. know, and, and that's it. I don't know why they. I know it. I know the take rate is horrible. They they said there's more electric cars on the road than there are manual. Exactly. Yeah, that cars. was actually something we, we talked about on a previous episode. And uh, it, it's funny that that you bring it up, and that's true. It really is. I mean, and Lou, I think getting back quickly to your Viper, they never offered an automatic transmission in that car. You could only get it with a probably a six speed. I think it is. Yeah, that's correct. Now here's the interesting thing. Although clearly I have a Viper, it's one of my favorite cars. I don't mind the fact that it doesn't have a, uh, a manual transmission. So um, that you mean it, you mean it does, does have. have a manual it, transmission? Um, you mean that you I, don't? I don't mind that the new Corvette does not. Oh, okay, have, gotcha. Does okay, not yeah. have a manual yeah. transmission. Yeah, and I say that because I I am interested in. Uh, yeah, sure, you get a definite different feel of a car when you're shifting gears with it, but. We're looking at something that you've just got done mentioning was the track performance, and they're looking at an overall success on the track. So if the manual slows you down versus what the ability to technology now has improved, then 
you're still going to get the video game experience of driving it with two pedals. Well, it's interesting, too, that, um, and this is something I've seen or read in, in a lot of the different reviews so far, and what uh, Motor Trend says about it, they said the other side of the coin with the new C8 is the disconnectedness from the raw power of the car. And I think that's something that you have to kind of hand it to the engineers that they're able to achieve something like that. It's one of these cars that's kind of a, uh, a lamb on the, on the streets and a lion on the, on the track. The engine is rather quiet for a Corvette, and the transmission is so smooth in tour mode that you don't get a sense of just how fast you're going, at least until you brake. And I think the thing that people are looking for these days in a, you know, dare we call this a supercar, I guess, or an American supercar, or a, at least an extreme high-performance American sports car is the fact that people want to use these as in a daily driving situation. And that's one thing that I think Ferraris and Lamborghinis have gotten way, way better at over the years is the fact that you can actually use those cars now in a daily driving situation. They're not going to overheat. The air conditioning works. Um, they're not herky-jerky, whether they have you know a dual clutch or a, a standard transmission. They're just made so you can actually drive them on an everyday basis. And I think getting to Roger's point that he thinks that a lot of the people buying the C8 are going to be using it in a either a, a weekend-type situation, not at the track, or I think a lot of people are going to buy it just to commute in, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a 10-mile commute or a 50-mile commute, um, and if they've tuned the, the cars that it's that comfortable and that relaxed in a daily driving situation, I think that appeals to a lot of people because it's still the look-at-me style, and they know they've got the performance potential in the car, but they're able to enjoy it. It's not going to rattle their teeth while, when they're driving it. And even the, the new C8 has a feature... And it's a run-through GPS where it stores, I don't know how many hundreds or whatever, of, of positions where you can mark it that if you're coming into a, a parking lot or something where you know it's got a low curb, it will ra- automatically raise the front end of the car, and it remembers that setting. And you can set that to a whole bunch of different things, and it works by GPS automatically, which is great. I mean, Lamborghinis, I believe, have had that, that lift, lift mode, but it's manual. It's not uh, controlled by GPS. So that, that shows that... The, the engineers with the C8 are, are looking ahead and saying, these are the kind of people that are going to be driving this car. We want to make the experience as seamless and as comfortable as possible. How reliable do you think that tech is going to be where it's going to remember? Who knows? That? I don't know. I, I, just, I don't know. You know what you do when you get a speed bump? Besides going slow, just go over to the side a little bit to kind of cut down yeah. on the angle. That, that, that kind of tech, I just I don't trust it. I think it's cool, but how well it'll work, like right. you said, in real life, who knows? Lou, you had that look on your face like you, you have to say something. Well, <laughs> well let's start with... Uh, <laughs> well, we're talking about transmissions, right? Yeah. You, what, we were. You've got a Corvette. What's, I have a, just a, it's a 4L60E, which is the four-speed automatic that uh, General Motors introduced in the uh, early 90s. It was the first, uh, I, I call it computer-controlled automatic. It was a, a derivation of the uh, standard turbo-hydromatic. 700 R4. Yeah, and it had um, it has uh, computer control, so it's got solenoids doing the shifting. It, it's supposed to shift much quicker, but you get, in, you get in my C4 and you drive it, and it's still very archaic transmission in today's you know, modern world, but it was so state-of-the-art 27 years so ago. So you have an automatic. Yeah, I do. But when you're driving down the street, the Corvette is a comfortable car. 
mine isn't that comfortable. It's loud. It squeaks and rattles because of the way the you know the fit and finish on those cars were never known for anything great. And the ride, I think, is very harsh. Okay. So right. yeah, it's it's nothing like the new car. I mean, yeah. that's why it, that's why I said if people and I say it jokingly, but 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 you know a, a tinge of reality when I say like that piece of loud fiberglass 1992 Corvette. I, it's like that's kind of what it is. I, I mean, I, yeah, but I, but it's endearing in its own way. Right. I, I, I guess <laughs> my point. Which didn't get out at all was <laughs> if you bought a Ford F one fifty, it probably rides better than the Corvette. But your Corvette, yeah. But I'm saying the in the last twenty years, a Ford F one fifty drives like a car. It does. All the big you know, pickups. I, do. I have an Explorer four door, and it's built on a Ford Taurus frame, which yeah. was front wheel drive at the time. Now they're doing a rear wheel drive. But my point is, this Corvette is going to drive like a car. Yeah. However. To Roger's point, now it's going to be a Corvette that you can take to the track. I mean, Hennessy was talking at, uh, about a 1,200-horsepower yeah. mm-hmm. C8 that's going to be specific track car. So, or I mean, maybe I mean, straight line. Don't get us wrong. People track Corvettes. I mean, it's not like nobody does it. You're just arguing the fact that you just don't see as many as you would think you would see you because of the kind of car it is. And I think you, that's what you're saying. Right, and you brought up about the disposable income of the track guy, but there's also different levels of disposable income track guy. So you got somebody who was on the lower end that has disposable income. Why are they not grabbing a C4 or a C5 or a, or, or, or a late model C3, like from the late 70s, early 80s? I mean, you know what I'm saying? You just don't you just don't hear about you don't see those cars as track yeah, cars yeah and that's just it, it do something about it you know <laughs> it's you know like the we're going back to the value thing you know it's just it, the the depreciation's gone down but you just don't the it's, it, people know how much engineering is in that 911 and I just wish they would just make the car stand on its own without using the word value let yeah. let, let the value be assumed but with with the price differential. Why don't you see more of them on the track? Well, there, there, there's quite a few Corvettes that are out there on the track, and I think that this car is specifically designed to be on the track. I mean, granted, it's going to be a daily driver, and it's going to be somebody who's had a bunch of Corvettes is going to want to see a. But any mid-engine car that a car maker comes out with is going to be a track e- car. Well, it's it's got to have that that performance cred. Even a, a, a remember the Mr. 2, the MR2 Toyota, that was a mid-engine car. The X Fiat X19, that was a mid-engine. Those weren't high-end performance cars, but they were still fairly tossable and chuckable and mid-engine design and kind of cool in their own way. And even a, a 914 Porsche had a, you know, was mid-engine design, basically a Volkswagen but with a Porsche body. But um, those cars are phenomenal track cars, you know, if they're set up properly. So Absolutely. I, I think I think to lose point, the fact that since Corvette, Chevrolet, GM is hyping this car, this car has been so hyped uh, for so long, it's finally here that if it didn't have the track performance capabilities, then people would be like, what what did they do wrong? Why 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 did they do this? But they did it. You brought and up earlier. Be, you brought up earlier about the they dialed in the understeer. Yeah. Do you think Porsche does that? No. Because they know who they're. They know well, who exactly. I mean, that, that's it. one thing I, I I've noticed about some of the German cars that I drive, whether it be my Mercedes or or, or the Porsche, is the fact that. They seem to respect your knowledge more as a driver. It doesn't have necessarily all these, 
idiotic nanny things on it or, or these annoying things where a lot of the American type cars, depending on who they think their buyers are going to be, they have all this safety stuff. Built. I mean, like your Viper doesn't have ABS. It doesn't have stability program doesn't have any of that because they're saying people who drive this car know how to drive and we're leaving it up to them whether they sink or swim absolutely and they're not going to throw all these safety nets out so legit trick yeah yeah exactly what about the pushback from the diehard fans well we touched touched on that in um part one i think it remains to be seen obviously there's people like roger that are saying you know no way no way no way i'm I wouldn't say I'm a diehard fan yet because I haven't owned my Corvette long enough, but I think that once I see this car in person, I hear it, I can smell it, I can sit in it, talk to the person that owns it. Of course, they're going to be very enthusiastic about it, I'm sure. I think that, you know, I might come around to it slowly. And I, you're I'm already in. I know you are. Well, yeah. that's obvious. Yeah, I'm, Great. I'm I'm already in on this one. I want them to sell every one of them, by the way. I know oh, I'm, they not, will. I'm not a big fan of the car, so I don't want People think I'm like the Corvette is my favorite car, and I'm not. I know it sounds like I'm bagging on it, but I I want them to sell every car. I do. It just well, I, I just wish it was more. Well, they're, they're, it's not like they're gonna. I, I don't see them cranking out a bunch and just having them sit, sending them to the dealers and having them sit on the lot okay. because there's only supposed to be certain dealers that are going to be able to service this thing too because it's a completely different architecture with the transmission, the layout of the car, and you have to know what you're doing when you're servicing these cars. And that's also very important, too, because it's a brand-new model, brand-new everything, and they want to make sure that the people buying these cars have a, have a good service experience, too, because that can kill a, your enthusiasm for a car or a brand quicker than anything is if you have a lousy service experience. And it has to be reliable fairly reliable it'll be reliable i think out. it'll be reliable well, i that think transmission you know what you said who'd you say it was, it was i thought it was uh i thought i had read that it was uh developed co-developed with tremec okay well at, we know about their transmissions that's the you know standard transmission in the gt uh, 350 and the 350r but it just seems like like you know you say xerox kleenex google yeah it, like there's like the transmission de facto is always ZF. Yeah. So I just wonder why, because Cor- uh, they did have Z- uh, ZF uh, experience with the Corvettes in the past, mm-hmm. you know, uh, partnership. I'm just kind of wondering why, because everybody has I think, a ZF I think, tr- yeah, they do pretty much. That's very ubiquitous, that, that ZF 8-speed auto is just everywhere. Uh, but I think Tremec has a, has a, a, a performance um, heritage, too. I mean, my Aston Martin has a Tremec 6-speed in it. Oh. Mustangs have Tremecs. Uh, for a long time. I, I just think that it's um, something that I don't know how they develop these partnerships or who do they des- who they decide to go with, but um, I wouldn't worry about it. I think Tremec's a good name, and, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about that. And maybe they want to set themselves apart a little bit too, you know? Oh, another ZF, what the heck? <laughs> and Lou's like, mm-hmm, yep, okay. But uh, if you like the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, make sure to check out some of the other programs that are available on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, like the program called Back to You. It's an OPI show, legendary Chicago TV personalities Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville talk about life, travel, food, and long list of things that, well, get under their skin. Plus, you never know when one of their many famous pals might stop by. It's the show Back to You. You can go to OPI shows.com or wherever you find podcasts just search for radio misfits and that's uh, where we are we're on the radio misfits podcast network this is the car guys report informed automotive i'm mark vernon along with luke hostable and roger rexroad we're having just a great uh 
discussion here in part two about the new Corvette C8. Uh, Roger has some very uh, strong opinions on it, and so does Lou. Lou, you had touched on something that uh, I wanted to discuss a little bit more. Uh, obviously, this car has just been uh, announced, uh, coming with a 495-horsepower uh, overhead valve V8. Uh, Hennessy, I think you said, was already talking about a 1,200-horsepower version. And then we had touched on this just briefly in part one of this uh, special episode, talking about the other performance modifications or models we might see down the line, things like hybrid assist, uh, supercharging like the, uh, the C7 uh, had, where do you think it's going to go, and you know what would you like to see? Well, this is what I've heard. We were talking previously about you know we were talking about V six in the car. Now, when 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 I heard the price of sixty thousand dollars, I figured they were going to take the engine from the ATSV, which was a three point six twin turbo mm-hmm. with four hundred sixty five horsepower, and put that in there as a as a base engine. And I can already hear people screaming you know here come the pitchforks and well that's me i hate v6s so yeah i know (laughs) but um that's what i thought was going to be the base engine so now luckily it's not right i'm glad but how many more people could you've gotten in the into the door at an affordable price point say say you got one with with the twin turbo v6 for like fifty five thousand, legit fifty five thousand, and then gone up the ladder to like you have the uh the l the lt what is lt one that's in there now it's 495 yeah. horsepower and then the next thing i heard was the z06 was supposed to have the twin turbo uh dual red cam uh either the 4.2 or the 5.5 the black wing, the black wing yeah, engine which is the new cadillac right. v8 and limited that, production and that was supposed to be 800 and then the zora which i'm hoping they call it the zora <laughs> because he does deserve to have Credit. that car with his yeah. name and the zora was supposed to take that engine and then put an electric motor on mm-hmm. each front wheel yeah. and that was supposed to have that magical 1000 horsepower. horsepower that is the 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 big number we've heard jingling about and right and and a thousand horsepower too they'd have to make the car obviously if it has motors at each wheel then it'd be an all-wheel drive right, car right because right. they'd have to there's right. no other way to get the power effectively to the ground uh do you know have any more details about the 1200 horsepower that that hennessy was working on or is that going to be a factory approved option because i know a lot of those hennessy things are you get the full factory warranty when you when you buy you know you, you buy the car callaway you do. and callaway or is it callaway and yeah callaway but, and Lingenfelder. but i think i thought hennessy would do it too or whoever you were talking about um they pretty much do that you know you send them the car then they modify it and you still doesn't avoid your warranty or yeah, I, to answer your question, I don't know what the warranties are for those, but uh, you know, I can see the Z06, the Z07. It's going to come up, and I see that that's actually holding people back, maybe, of getting the first one. They want to see what's going to come out next. But the other thing is back to your six-cylinder versus eight-cylinder. I think the eight-cylinder. Uh, let's look at, for example, the Ford GT. The new Ford GT comes out, and the first thing that everybody does a <gasps> in a negative response is the fact that it had a, a, a six-cylinder. They're going, oh, my gosh, what, you're putting Well, the very first cylinder? Corvette had a six-cylinder in it. Right. So. Well, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right, but. So, but but stay, stay there for a moment. So that's the one thing with the Ford GT, and although it held its own at Le Mans, et cetera, et cetera, and, and it kind of gained its press back, now people are looking at really the design of the car, and the funny thing is they listen to that V6 and think that it sounds like a V8. So the goal I still don't think it does, but that's so, just me. But but the goal is to get to the V8. So the fact that they kept the V8 in the Corvette, I think, is the 
is the cherry on the Sunday that made this one accepted. I will I will agree with that. That I'm glad they didn't um, do like a like you said a twin turbo V6 or something that kept a naturally aspirated, nice brawny overhead valve V8 in there. Go to my car story and watch. Uh, Lou did a very uh, popular YouTube guy that has car shipped over here and. It has an uh, oh shmi yeah yeah no I've it seen has, that it has yeah. an Akrapovich exhaust system yeah. and, and and you need how you don't well, I like saw the, that car in person well you can't deny how good so. that V six sounds yeah that's a good one. you can't deny that there are some V sixes that sound okay but okay. I still, yeah this, just, this is one of them that's just there's just <laughs> a, 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 a few things okay. and not to take anything away from his car right I'm just saying I'm just not a V6 fan right, you know right. and if you agree with me or disagree with me send me an email you know carguysreport at hotmail.com carguysreport at hotmail.com you can address it to me Mark <laughs> or Lou or Roger whatever just say you guys are right most of the time <laughs> but or, uh or getting back to the engine and the power too one of the things that came out uh, a few weeks after the uh, the official uh, debut or announcement of the of the uh, c8 was the fact that uh they started dyno testing this thing and all of a sudden everyone was saying it's creating like 550 horsepower at the wheels or whatever but then uh motor trend uh said now we've learned that our dyno operator selected two dyno settings that were incorrect and basically, the car performed or, or was putting out pretty much right where it should be, about 400, you know, four, well, 495 is at the, at the crank, but then at the wheels, there's always about a 15% um, uh, loss. But they were just basically saying once they recalibrated the dyno and everything like that, um, the car was not producing the unbelievable power they said it was, but they were saying that it was producing where it should be. So. I believe that was a part of the hype train. You I think, think so? You really? Yeah, yeah it yeah, could be, be. Who knows? Because the only reason I say that, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple things to back it up. Look at the incredible hype train that was the Demon. Yeah. Okay? And then this, the new GT500. You know, it, we were waiting and waiting to get the price, waiting and waiting to get the performance. And then Corvette, most hyped car of the year. And then, oh, it makes 650. And then they come back later. <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's everything has to be hyped. It, whether that's truly the case or not, but it says here. Well, let's pause for a second. The Demon. First yeah. of all, you're absolutely right. That was a huge hyped car. What was the hype on the Demon? Well, 965 at 138 and miles And being able to pop a wheelie. That's what the hype yeah, is. Right. You're buying a car from the factory that does a wheelie. Yeah. And In the right it, conditions. I don't care what conditions. It pulls a wheelie, right? Yeah. And that was the hype. That was the hype. This car, the hype is obviously where they stuck the engine. Yeah. And the fact that I go back to what I just said. 59,995. And the cherry <laughs> on the Sunday was, was they the kept V8. it an eight. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, Motor Trend does say, though, that they say, for now, let's just say that we're convinced our red test car was certainly making every bit of its rated output of 495 horsepower at 6450 RPM and 470 pound-feet of torque at 5150, if not slightly more. And they say, stay tuned as this saga continues. So we'll have to see. And on that line, we got to take a break. We'll be right back after this. Coming to a podcast near you on the Opie Shows and Radio Misfits Podcast Network, it is And Friends. We are back with Season 3. I'm Ooh. Sam. I'm Tommy. And I'm Kimmy. We talk about everything and anything you could possibly think of. Tommy, what do you usually talk about? I like to talk about just anything that'll take us down a rabbit hole and start a discussion about it. Kimmy, what are you up to? Well, I have some 
the sex talk for this season, but I've changed it a bit for you boys. Changed it. Because I want to keep it fresh and hopefully make it not as raunchy. Oh. But Sammy, what do you got? Oh, I got Florida Man stories that are a little bit shorter and a little bit funnier, I'll have to say so Mm -hmm. myself. But you'll hear all of that on And Friends. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. If you're a fan of the English Premier League, you'll want to check out Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. As you can hear by his accent, Adam is from England originally. Chelsea fan, if you must know. And he's also an expert in soccer tactics and methods. He's the director of coaching for the Illinois Youth Soccer Association. So obviously, he has some incredible insights into the game. Tune in every week. We're on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. A Tony Lasano podcast, the No Pie Show. And because it's soccer, we never use our hands. Radio Misfits. And we're back. It's the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Mark Vernon along with Luke Hossible and Roger Rexroad. We're having a great roundtable discussion here, give and take, pros and cons on the new uh, Corvette uh, C8 as we continue. One thing that I've been uh, anxious to uh, talk about is the interior design of the car because we touched on it in part one that the interior uh, quality of Corvettes for many years was sorely lacking, and I will definitely attest to that in my C4, which, again, is 27 years old. Uh, it's been well cared for, so there's no, obviously, there's no splits in the leather. The leather hasn't deteriorated. There's no cracks in the dashboard, but you look at the quality of the leather, it's not, you know, kind of thin, not real... Um, you know, it doesn't have that suppleness to it, I guess. The door panels are basically vinyl, uh, plastic, big molded pieces that are starting to shrink a little bit. The dashboard has this big gap on it. I mean, it's just like maybe in 92 that was uh, acceptable, but not anymore. And the Corvettes, even until fairly recently, until about the C7, I think, they said that, you know, the, the interiors are still not up to, to, the, to the par of the cost of the car and what people expect. And Everyone's saying so far, and and I'll hold off until I actually see one in person, but I've seen pictures of it and I've read people's comments on it, that the interior of the C8 finally hits the right, checks all the boxes, as they say. What do you they think? They said that about the C7, well, like, too. Yeah, Remember? and does it? Uh, well, we haven't seen it in person yet, so... Yeah, but the C7, what do you think? I mean, do you think that, that interior was, it was good? A, it was a great Step leap up, up but, yeah. I mean, that was, you know, when you compare it to a C, you know, to a C6, yeah. I mean, you look at a C6 Corvette, I know for a fact that that car shares a steering wheel with a Chevy Malibu. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. That, that, uh, that's just absurd well speaking of steering wheels what do you think of the squared off wheel in the in the c8 that's awesome you like it i don't like it i don't like that what do you think lou well it's designed so that you can get your legs under there comfortably so i'm a so that's the old man thing again so i'm a a fan (laughs) of that but but the opposite of that is i mean if you ever tried to get into a 57 t-bird and the wheel's sitting down you know almost touching the seat you have to do kind of a gymnastic move to get around it so so um Let's talk about interior. First of all, uh, let's go back to your car. So back in 94, think about what Chevrolet is trying to do at the time. Where are they putting their money? They're putting the money in the engine. They're not putting the money in the interior. And they're trying to keep it low cost, high performance, still make it a sports car. So they're putting, so they so, figured wait, 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 wait. So they're putting money in suspension. Yeah. And they're making it trackable or So you're or saying sporty. they didn't they didn't care that they figured the person buying this car isn't going to really care about the the interior experience because they want the performance and the sound and all that. That's that's, that's, that's where you, they put the effort. Back now, then. now 
And, and the amazing part is, all right, we talked there a little bit earlier, but I want to go back to, okay, fifty nine nine ninety five, right, under $60,000. Yeah. That's shocking because if you think about it and you said, okay, a new Corvette, it's going to be a mid-engine, and then they wouldn't have said $60,000. let us just say that, you know, this is the first time you're hearing the number, and I go, we're putting out a new car, mid-engine Corvette. You're going to love the design. We're going to do the interior. It's going to be an $85,000 car. You would think, okay, that's normal. But now because they've made it a fifty nine nine ninety five or a $60,000 car and still made the interior tremendous, that's incredible. But I think they finally realized they had to because if this car came with a crappy interior, it would just get okay, panned. So let's say that they have to. I'll agree with you. Yeah. But now you're looking at a car. It, they would have said, okay, we're going to try to compare it to what? To a Ferrari, right? Like a Ferrari interior. Well, then if a Ferrari is... Two hundred and fifty to three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and a Corvette is still eighty thousand to ninety thousand. I don't think there's any way it's going to ever compare sense. with a Ferrari interior, though, because the Italian makers, they, their interiors with the leather and the way they do the stitching and just the overall look of it, it might not be ergonomically friendly necessarily, but I just think the look. And the feel of their interiors is like fine luggage. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Well, at the same price, you're paying for fine luggage, right? I mean, well, you are, but I'm just saying that. Three, but you're three you, times the value. You were saying that that the Corvette C8 at eighty or ninety grand even could have a interior comparable to a Ferrari. I well, don't think that's going to well, be the case. Well, let's let's just take apples to apples. So we, let's just say we have an eighty thousand dollar well equipped for uh, Corvette. Corvette, yeah, and C8. now triple the price. And then you, you should have a triple in the now interior. You have, now you right. Okay. Well, now you have a base. Now you have a base Ferrari. Yeah. So, you know, and you can get ones that maybe less than that, etc. But you're close. So I'm saying for the level of quality and engineering that you have versus price, and I know that you hate the value conversation, Roger, but <laughs> this this is such an unbelievable deal, and especially. I'm just thinking out loud. Let's just say that the, that these C8s that are sixty thousand dollars, people say, "Well, there's a Z06 and there's a Z07, mm-hmm. and I don't want my C8 anymore." And they actually sell them for less than that. So let's just say two years from now, you. That's can not going to happen right away, though. I don't think. Not I don't right think away, you're going to be let's seeing. Let's say in two years. I'd give it five years before you think you it's going to be five. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be five. I think it's going to be like two. Where I you're going to see used models. I'm going to see. You're going to see used C- below C8s. sixty. In 2020, or excuse me, not 2020, 2022. Okay. In 2022, maybe the last half of it, let's just say Christmas time this year, two years from now, you might be able to get one of those for forty five grand with 6,000 wow. miles on them. Mm, I doubt that. I well, really well, do. Well, we'll see. Yeah, I right? doubt that. The biggest thing with the interior that, that strikes me, and again, this is something that I'll have to see in person, but I call it the wall. And on the interior design, in order to give a more cockpit-like feel for the driver, uh, GM has designed literally this this wall that raises up. It looks like it raises up maybe six to eight inches and tapers off kind of on an angle um, right along where your elbow on your your right arm would be. And they've got a, a row of about 12 or 15 different switches that are supposedly like secondary devices, like maybe a defroster or something. It's not like power window switches. But I just think it looks weird because it literally separates you with a solid piece from if there's a passenger like your wife or whatever my girlfriend i'm fine with my wife well i I figured yeah i figured you'd say that. i love the wall what do you think roger i think it's odd looking the great wall of bowling green yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
it, it, it just, can you imagine the servicing nightmare? And when Getting they, in there to... And, and when they have to take it apart, you know damn well it's not going to go back together the right way. You know it's not. That's a good, a good point. It's I just, just think not. it looks strange because it's, it's a solid piece. If it was open or or a little more airy or, or translucent or something, I just think if it would I look better. If I want to go out with my wife on a date, I'd take your 58 Impala well, with a bench seat. <laughs> yeah, there you if go. If I want to go out and drive a car with my wife. <laughs> to hell with the wall, right? Well, well with my wife, and, and I'm going to say, hey, we're going out and you're going to be seen, but guess what? You're going to be on that side of the car. I think, you know, she'd be fine on that side of the car, even if there's a wall, because that car is so good looking that... I, I don't know. I, I, I'm a fan of, of the interior of this one. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the interior. My only two turnoffs, though, I, I'm, I'm not crazy about that square wheel, and I'm not crazy about the, what we're calling the wall at this point. Um, in the Motor Trend Car of the Year write-up, it says that I loved the squared steering wheel. A few others did not. And the Jet Age homage of its design, although there was some debate about the cabin's overall design. They say here, some judges felt as if it was a bit too much bling, but others liked it. As for the stream of buttons that make up the HVAC controls and puts up a wall, uh, to quote Walton, between the driver and the passenger glove box, most judges felt that these controls are of the set and forget variety. Plus, you just don't notice them from behind the wheel. I don't know. Uh, you do uh, notice a couple of inexplicably cheap out, outs, exp- uh, especially if you're executive producer Mark Reckon. He despises the plastic cup holders. He says, how much would have improving them have cost Chevrolet maybe five bucks a unit? So, you know, they seem to think that the interior is, is definitely a step up. I'm looking more as far as not so much the design or the layout, but just the quality of the materials. I, I want to see real stitching. I want to see, even if it's not leather, you could do... Alcantara, you could do uh, even to super high. You know, I don't have anything against vinyl if it's done well. That's one thing the Germans do very well is they make the, some of the best vinyl out there. Um, MB text is is Mercedes term for vinyl. Well, everybody says you don't want Alcantara on something you're touching. Well, all exactly. Me too. I've wondered wear, about that. Wears yeah. out really bad. So yeah. If the headline, headliner Alcantara headliner is awesome. great. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But, um, but I've always wondered that too. And a lot of uh, automakers are using Alcantara on the seats too now where you where you sit um i actually don't know if the i can't tell if the seats are all leather on this car or if there is some alcantara on there but again we'll have to wait and see once they come out they, they look like supportive seats they look really cool i'm just interested in the fit and finish i love leather covered dashboards and the stitching and things like that so i hope that uh this car does not let me down from that standpoint when i see the inside because to me lou uh, to counter your point as far as what GM may or may not have been thinking in the early 90s in regards to the Corvette interior. I think interiors have become much, much more important in car makers' um, vernacular these days. Even a company like Subaru has radically upgraded their interiors in the last year. And they they look really good. I know, they they could only go up, but but they made bare bones. But they made very big strides in it. And I think that people are coming to expect really nice interiors even in lower price cars so if a car like this comes out even at sixty thousand dollars and it doesn't have a, a decent looking interior in it then it's you know it's going to be a turnoff to some people well you know a buddy of mine stopped buying his ram pickup i've never seen a better interior oh they're incredible yeah Unbelievable. yeah yeah they've been getting amazing uh I, reviews they're yeah. shocking they're shocking inside 
But when you're spending $85,000 on a pickup truck, again, you have to expect that you, you, you better get a, a nice interior for yeah. that. The only exception, I mean, not to, uh, to, to pound on your um, Viper, but the Viper interior, what, what are your comments about that? Well, I, I understand it. If you talk about a car, you can't sit next to your wife because you've got a, I don't know, a 12-inch uh, uh, gap between you and your wife yeah. with, with this tower that sits up between you because the transmission's sitting literally right next to your thigh. Yeah, huge, huge through. center tunnel. So, uh, and I like the gauges in the Viper where it rolls around the, uh, wraps around the st- steering wheel where you could see all the gauges, lots of gauges. So, so it makes you feel like you're in a driver's car. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I love the Viper interior. Any year Viper interior, I, I appreciate. How about the quality of the materials? Um, I think they have some Alcantara on the side of the seats and maybe some pleather, yeah. some plastic leather down the center. Um, you know, it, it, I don't know how well you'd fit in the car because it. Yeah, actually, I've never tried tried your Viper on for so, size. I'll so, have to do that so next you're, time. You're you. tall, so I mean, it's for me, it fits. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I enjoy the car. I mean, I'm, I bought it. I like it. It's one of my favorite cars. So, but again, that goes to your, but your... I, I think the new Corvette interior, if we're saying just interior, yeah. um, I like this new Corvette interior. I can't say maybe more, but I would say I like it. I like my Viper. I like this one. Too. Mm-hmm. The, but it, the but cool it, thing about the Viper interior, not to cut you off, but the cool thing about the Viper interior, especially the, the 92, the first gen. The, to me, that car was really a, uh, a modern version of an AC Cobra. You look at AC Cobra inside, it's bare-bone basic, 1965. You look at the Viper in 1992, it's got everything you need, nothing you don't. Yeah. And your car, I mean, yeah. now the last the last version of the Viper, they really stepped that into Well, again, they probably did because the, the price yeah. started oh, going yeah. up a lot more. So uh, to, to speak to Lou's point about the early Corvette, you know, like the early 90s Corvettes, they were perhaps thinking more that the just the, the performance aspect of the car and i think that's what the viper's always been about it doesn't have all the electronic nannies on it and they're giving you a decent interior but not a great interior necessarily right. and maybe the the latter ones the 2017s or i think that was the last year right 2017 yeah they're giving you the, the, yeah functional was what they're looking at and 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 trackability and, and big engine yeah and the the newer the newer actually the, the c8 you could argue just being trying to be Something for all aspects, performance, luxury, uh, you know, usability, daily usability. Well, let's talk about usability. So we haven't talked about it yet, but the trunk. There's actually trunk space in this new seat. And there's, there's two. There's the front right. up front, and then there's the trunk in the rear. And it's actually yeah. usable yeah. versus, for example, my Viper. It's almost comical. Um, I mean, the new Ford GT, Schmee's Ford GT. It was. I think he had his. I think he had a sandwich that he could. He put did, in. yeah, and a pair of he, socks or yeah, something. A sandwich and his camera bag <laughs> yeah. or something that he kept in the in the quote unquote trunk space. So, you know, it was comical. So that just shows you that you know when you're driving a when you're building a track car, we don't care about the trunk. The driver needs to be informed, but not necessarily super comfortable. He's not going to be in this thing for the rest of his life. But we've got to be able to get him around the track, and we've got to be able to make the engine, you know, the, 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 main, the main heart of the beast. 
If you uh, like what you're listening to here, it is the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. Uh, make sure that you uh, check out some of the other shows that are available on opishows.com. Wherever you find your uh, podcasts, you can search for Radio Misfits. You can also search directly for the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And uh, whenever you uh, decide to uh, listen to the Car Guys Report, please subscribe to us as well because whenever we have a uh, new content which is weekly you'll get an automatic notification that there's new content on the uh, site and also take a few minutes to rate us as well we've got a couple of great reviews on apple Podcasts, and we'd certainly like to get your thoughts and some more positive comments on the car guys report and just remember any uh podcast that you listen to on the radio misfits podcast network is totally free it's listening on your terms whether you're listening on your laptop your desktop your uh, mobile phone your tablet in the car wherever you are we'll be there with you and remember too you can uh replay skip rewind go back and re-listen to episodes do whatever you want it's listening on your own terms everything's totally free that's what podcasting with radio misfits uh, podcast network is all about mark vernon along with luke Hostable and roger rexroad were on part two of our special corvette c8 episode just wanted to touch on a couple more uh topics here towards the end so far of course the industry accolades for the new c8 are just gushing everywhere it was motor trends car of the year uh they made a big point in their latest issue uh talking about how they uh test for car of the year that it's not just uh you know a, a one and done thing they spend like three weeks out there they've got a ton of editors they're just really you know truly doing it right and I'm just wondering, uh, once these cars start showing up in the real world, if there are going to be any teething issues, Is it gonna, are the accolades going to continue? What are your thoughts on that? I feel there's going to be issues with the transmissions. Really? Though. Yep. Like it's what? Their, just, it's, it's their first dual clutch. Yeah, so you just think that there's... The engine could, is bulletproof. You were talking about earlier about extended having the, the warranty. Base warranty. Yeah. Well, you know you, the engine is, is bulletproof. Well, that'd be a good way to... If you're saying, you know, if there were... Uh, teething issues with the with the dual clutch, it would make sense to give you a better warranty for the powertrain then, because right. then you'd be alleviating any any question marks that could arrive. But of course, that's just conjecture at this point. You have no idea w- whether you know. even the car might be out of the gate perfect. Right. Who knows? I mean, I think that's something that some people always say, like, oh, never buy the first year of a brand new you know model because right. it's a you're in unknown territory. Um, this car. You know, like you said, the the engine itself, I don't think is going to be an issue. The chassis, the suspension, the brakes, who knows? I mean, it is kind of a big question mark because it's a totally new dynamic. And the other thing that we had touched about, talked about, too, is servicing. You know, I mean, you've got to make sure you bring it to a a Chevy dealer that is uh, authorized to service these cars because it's new technology. It's new architecture. They have to have some special equipment, um, software, things like that. And as we said before, a bad service experience can, you know, totally kill your enthusiasm for for a brand. Lou, do you think um, GM has thoroughly engineered this and we're going to see a reliable car right out of the gate? Yeah, I think, you know, in 2020, you're engineering. You know, I read something that, uh, you know, even a bad engineered car today is, you know, 50 times better than it was even 20 years ago. So uh, I think engineering is not perfected it's continually being perfected but when we're talking perfected it just we're at such a level now that 
Um, you know, I was looking at something the other day, and it was talking about this Cadillac had to have its oil changed every 700 miles. What? You know, yeah, we're talking like the, you know, 1919 or something like oh. that. So my, my point is, you know, excuse me, you're changing the you're changing the oil every 700 miles. Now these cars are every 7,500 miles, every 15,000 miles. But a lot of that is not only manufacturing tolerance is getting better and metallurgy improving, but it's also the improvement of the actual oil itself is, you know, whatever they're using in 1919, castor oil or whatever, you know, now the, the, the quality of the oil today is just unreal. And that's one reason why you can stretch, you know, uh, so, so your intervals point, your so point far. your point was engineering. So yeah, I think, engineering, I think engineering, quality. I think engineering and quality, I don't have any questions that this transmission is going to be fantastic. I think, I think, it, it, I think it, it'll be well. I mean, it's not like it's a brand new architecture that hasn't been made anywhere. I mean, you drive a Hyundai with a, with a dual clutch, and they seem to have gotten it right, correct, out of the box, absolutely. correct? I, yeah. I feel it's great. Well, let, yeah. Well, yeah. Back to the, the, you know, will the hype continue? The hype's going to continue until the next cool thing comes out. It's just that simple. For example, everything for a while was demons going to do a wheelie. Oh, my God, when are we going to see a demon? Yeah. And really, a demon was just a, a, you know, a Hellcat beefed up. Right. right. So now you've got the mid-engine Corvette. Oh, my gosh, mid-engine Corvette. It's just going to be what's the next thing. This is almost like top 40 music, meaning we all get excited about whatever the top 40 music is. And then... Three months later, there's some new top mm-hmm. 40. Now, granted, this has been going on for a while, but Chevrolet's point, I mean, for example, what's the latest topic? You know, uh, Tesla's putting out a cyber truck, right? I mean, Ugh. so so whatever, whatever. Which we have discussed on a previ- previous episode of the Car Guys Report, pros and cons right. on you know, and, Elon and, Musk's electric pickup truck. So my point is it'll have hype until something else comes up that's the new hype, you know. Well, uh, uh, the new the new car that's going to take off from your driveway and fly you downtown. Going right? along with, with that thought, and it's something that somebody brought up uh, on the heels of, Ford, uh, as we touched on uh, in maybe on this part, too, I can't remember, or at least in part one, talking about the new Ford Mustang, in quotes, electric SUV, the Mach-E, and people were kind of... Um, uh, did, you cha- say, did you say Mach-E or Yucky? My, well, either way. I, a, no, I think it looks no, okay, actually. It is a mockery. Yeah, there you is. go. A mockery. <laughs> I think some people have been chastising <laughs> Ford, though, saying that, you know, how can you make a Mustang into a sub-brand and just kind of dilute what it's all about? They're and people, desperate. And people have been even saying, though, that Corvette... If, if Chevrolet wants to take the Corvette name and make it into its own sub-brand, a la, you know, like the Ford Mustang E SUV, so you could per, perhaps see Corvette uh, SUVs, almost like what Porsche did with the, you know, the Cayenne, the Macan, the Panamera, you know, cars that you would never think Porsche would have in their portfolio they do now. Some people would be for that, some people would be against it, but they did say that as a sub-brand, Corvette could be worth up to $12 billion, which is a lot of money. That's and right. when GM is looking at their bottom line at some point, it's, they might decide to extend so, the sound, brand. It sounds like we're going to have a Corvette SUV. It could. That's how much money we're Or talking. a fully electric Corvette something or other, whether it's a, a, a sedan or a, you know, another coupe or an SUV. Yeah, I, who knows? Uh, it'll be real interesting to see if they decide to push it 
past what they're doing now. I don't see anything wrong with the uh, uh, adding electric boost to the performance. No, I don't think that. All. I think that's okay. But would they decide to maybe bring out an all-electric sedan? I mean, like the, the new Porsche Taycan, which is people are saying right now that that could be the best Porsche ever, whether that's true or not. But some of the things that they're accomplishing with that. But again, they're not on the road yet. And that actually looks pretty cool. It's very expensive. Well, again, I mean, that's the thing. But... You know, all these cars are getting expensive. But the electrification, so. uh, they give you that boost on, on the on the Corvette, the, like with the Zora. I, I, you know what? I think that's I'm what gonna, we're going to be seeing. We've talked about this before on the podcast is the, the luxury performance uh, aspects of luxury makers like, like a Mercedes or a BMW using electrification, not for efficiency, but for performance. That's what AMG is and doing. And AMG is doing it. Yep. Um, you know, Ferrari's done it with the LaFerrari. I, I think uh, McLaren might be touching on some of that now. Uh, I, I, I'm not sure if Lamborghini... Well, McLaren has the P1. Or they have... The, the P1 a couple years ago, that, that's electrified yeah. as well. So. Um, but just using, like, the, NS, the new NSX, that using is. electrification for performance enhancement versus just, you know, I get 80 miles a gallon. I think that's, that can be very legitimate. So I think there's a lot of avenues that Chevrolet can take the new uh, C8 uh, down and whether they will decide to even branch out further with a sub-brand remains to be seen. So let's just go around the room, so to speak, very briefly. Lou, do you have any final thoughts on um, the C8 from your perspective, our perspective here? I'm a big fan. I think it looks great. I think it's all American. I love the car. What color would you get? I probably, I've only seen I, it in like this orange or red so far. I, you know, I'm a big fan of blue, so I blue. probably yeah, blue, blue and blue. Yeah, that's yeah, right. They do have that Smurf blue. Do you like that color, Lou? <laughs> you know, I'd have to see it. Probably not. I would prefer more of a uh, you know a, a race blue. Yeah, like, this, like a Cobra Smurf, or like that Smurf a, blue like is very my, popular. My Viper. It's very popular. It's like the basically the color on the uh, Focus RS. Roger, the big naysayer for the C8. What are your final thoughts? I hope they sell every one of them. <laughs> they will. No How, problem. However, Roger. <laughs> He's just Can't nodding his o- head, yeah. Cannot get over the back end of the car. It looks, it, this is your halo car. It should, I, it, it, okay, nobody's going to confuse a Corvette with an, an Equinox or um, a Malibu. I just wish that the, the back end of the car looked better. The taillights should not share any lineage with yeah. anything else in your in your line. Well, just put it this way: usually, when they do a mid um, model refresh, you know, in another two or three years, they always change the front and rear fascia. So I'm sure if if and people have said they don't like the rear end of it, that might be the first thing to get modified, and we'll see what it uh, turns out to be. I hope so. We'll see. Uh, as far as my thoughts on it, I'm just going to totally withhold 100. percent uh, buy-in until I see one in person. I'm more than lukewarm. I'm just kind of in the middle of it right now. I want to confirm the interior quality and the, the look and feel of the interior. I want to actually see the car in person so I can see it from all angles to see what it looks like and inspect fit and finish on the outside as well. Uh, as far as the performance aspects of the car and the pricing of the car, I think it's fantastic. So, And I, and I do think that it's going to be a, a big success for them. And I just, um, we'll have to see if they decide to do a sub-brand too. I, who knows? That's speculation at this point. If that happens, it'd be I'd say three to five years easy down the road, but it all depends on how big of a success this car is, how it sells, what the economy is doing, how GM is doing. There's a lot of variables that can um, 
factor into exactly how it's going to evolve. But it's been a Chevrolet since 1953. Uh, uh, Do they really think they're going to Jedi mind trick somebody with having a sub-brand? That's what they do these days, though. I mean, they do that kind of stuff. So companies do that. I mean, I know what you're saying. There's a legacy there. There's a heritage. If the money's there, the answer is yes. Yeah, exactly. And if it's $12 billion, that's, you know. So we'll see. We'll, we'll just I, I never thought happens. I'd see a Lamborghini SUV. Yeah, and know, a Porsche four-door sedan. SUV, yeah. a Bentley, Bentley SUV, SUV, Maserati SUV, Aston Martin SUVs coming out. But Porsche doing like your, your Cayenne and doing the Panamera and the Panamera Gran Turismo, which looks awesome. It's yeah. like a little stage Oh, it is wagon. awesome, yeah. Because of those cars... Porsche is still here. You have cars like the 911T. You have the GT3. The and GT3 Porsche is still RS. around as a company Absolutely. because that's the, those are the and vehicles I, and that I wish the that didn't saved have, them. I, I get it. I wish I didn't have. To, I wish that didn't have to be the case. Yeah. But companies are going to be companies. They're going to the have reality. stockholders. Yeah. The stockholders are going to have to make money, and they're going to do whatever is going to be best for the stockholders. Exactly. Well, that wraps up our two-part uh, episodes of the uh, Corvette C8. would like to uh, thank our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, for being in the studio nice once again. You, Roger. Roger. Yeah, great Welcome. seeing you. Nice and, seeing you guys. And I, you know, we call him the man in the field because uh, I'll be at home on a Saturday if I'm not at a car show, or I'll be just doing something during the week, and I'll get a text and Roger will be sending us something about cars. What else? So yep. he's always on the lookout. If you run into him, he's a great guy, and he'll definitely introduce himself as Roger Rexroad, the man in the field. <laughs> so always good to have him here in the Car Guys Report studio. And of course, Lou is uh, my co-host here on the uh, Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. Coming up on our next episode of the Car Guys Report, more great car lists, more great car discussion. That's what we do. It's only on the Car Guys Report Informed Automotive. And thanks so much, too, for listening Listening to our two-part episode of the uh, Corvette C8, certainly glad to have you along. And again, if you have any feedback, comments, suggestions, rants, or raves, carguysreport at hotmail.com is our email address. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is the word hippo spelled backwards, O-P-P-I-H, shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silha with Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead, it just moved to a better place, and that would be... RadioMisfits.com. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including OpieShows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? Lasano and friends. Happy to be here today, Cheryl Scott, meteorologist. Hi, Fred Winston, Chicago radio guy. I'm Rob Hart in Chicago. How about that weather? This is a good show to do that. Yeah, what the hell, man? It's, uh, <laughs> I don't thought, blame the messenger. I'm not blaming the messenger. <laughs> that's got to be the worst part about being a meteorologist. They blame you for the for, for the sun or the snow or right. whatever. I'm so. like everyone's best friend when it's sunny and 70. <laughs> and like yesterday, it was everyone's worst friend. Yeah. But I know that weather changes so dramatically. We do seven-day forecasts. And right. I go, well, seven days, it sometimes changes. Seven times in those seven days. <laughs> <laughs> but science is getting more and more accurate. Oh, it does. So, has the Earth been knocked off its axis? I I, I keep hearing stuff uh, about that uh, from the conspiracy idiots at 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and that's exactly <laughs> what we'll go with. <laughs> Masano and Friends. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com Direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. 
from bandstand to gaga. Let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. I'm Steve Baskerville. I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm going to show you my doodle. <laughs> Can you see my doodle from where no. you are? You know who else would? Walter Jacobson would doodle. And his doodle one day was close to my doodle. <laughs> he, uh, so you've seen his doodle? Sure. Uh, <laughs> He's seen my doodle more than one day. (laughs) Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Back to you, an Opie show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, while Lou is on assignment, I'll be joined by nationally recognized Buick specialist Bill Kubik for a wide-ranging discussion about our favorite topic, cars. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me for this special episode of the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.